Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey guys, it's another episode of the Believe in Padres Prospects Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. San Diego's number one sports podcast network. Big show, kind of, I guess. Bigger day for baseball because it's finally, well, it's episode 47 and this is the second day of the draft, the final day of the draft. And it just finished a couple hours ago. And we finally have stuff to talk about that's baseball related, that's new, that has nothing to do with the owners and the players arguing about money. So it's a great day Isn't for baseball. wild? Last day of the draft, the second day. Yeah. And uh, shout out to our boy, Matty V, who uh, I, lo- I love seeing Matty V on TV. I've always loved Santa him. Santa Maria. But he he looked very sad just doing this for five hours today. I don't think that's a good job to just announce draft picks every two minutes. Like he doesn't get to rest. He doesn't get to do any. He has to just get up on TV and just read a teleprompter the entire day. It kind of sucks. Carl Ravitch is pretty good at it, though. Um, He wasn't. At the podium. The podium job is different. Oh, okay. I see what yeah. you're saying. You weren't I only watching. Watched the, I only watched up until the Padres' first pick on ESPN. Then I didn't watch anything else. Yeah, so Manfred does the announcements for the first round, and he's terrible at it. Um, but the, the, second day, the second day, they usually have, uh, what do they call it? Like, what, what's the assistant commissioner called? Is that is that it? The assistant commissioner? The, the number two guy. Assistant usually, two the yeah. uh, missioner. <laughs> oh, is that an office reference? Oh yeah. I got that one. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, they didn't have him doing it this year, whoever that is, but they had Maddie Vaskersian doing it. And it, I wouldn't mind doing hosting the show. Cause you have more people talking and you get to sit and you're in a, I don't know. You're not on camera the whole time. Maddie, I think that's not a great job. I don't think he's volunteering for that next year. Anyway. Do you think he went pee or he pulled a, um, Mel Kuyper and didn't go pee. Oh, he's got time to pee, I'm sure. He probably no. has three, four, five minutes, probably closer to five minutes. He can, he'd squeeze a pee in there. If he has to take a, a number two, unless he's like... Or you think he just throws a depends on and just sits there, you know? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think he throws a depends on. <laughs> it's a big industry. If you're looking for stock, like depends, shooting up the board. Anyway. Today's show, we're going to talk about the draft, uh, me and Wade, and then we give it a, we've got a guest coming on later, but we're going to do uh, a little bit of talk about what's going on with the season right now, just quickly, briefly discussing um, how close we are to having a potential season. 69 game season? How come that hasn't been discussed nice. yet? Why haven't they talked about that? They're talking about every other length of the season. They ha- they've been danced around 69. Let's make everyone happy and just make it a 69 game season. Trevor Bauer would immediately agree to that. He's the first one in line to play if it's a 69 yeah. game season. Uh, talk about the draft. We did a recap of the of our favorite picks. There's only five picks to talk about. So um, the guys that we really care about are probably the first three picks. And then even in a normal draft, once you get past the first couple rounds, it's guys that are uh, much big, much bigger wild cards. The draft You're is already guessing f- at that point. They're, I mean, they're all guesses, but especially Except in base. For the, for the first pick. That ASU guy. Torkelson is not a guess. That's that's the the can't miss of the draft. But other than that, that loser Pete Alonso. Oh, he's gonna he's gonna smoke Pete Alonso. Pete Alonso. Wishes he was Torkelson. What? 
Pete Alonzo wishes he was Torkelson. You could say that. Yeah, I was going to try to go out on a limb here and say Pete Alonzo is one of the most overrated players in baseball already just because of where he plays and he's power only and plays for like he doesn't really do anything other than at home runs. The next year. <laughs> no, he's not going to be the next Jeter. <laughs> He'll never win a championship with the Mets. Um, not that we can talk because the Potters have never won a championship. But no, I'm not a, not a Pete Alonso fan at all. For Shocker. Obvious for obvious reasons. But yeah, so we're going to recap our favorite picks of the draft. And then we're going to bring in Chris Welsh at, uh, after me and Wade talk. Welsh is our fantasy prospect guy. He does a really good job covering the Arizona League, which is the really, really young guys, the rookie league guys. He does his own podcast called Prospect One, and he runs a website in this league.com. So he's he's our prospect guy from a fantasy perspective, which kind of covers both angles, I think. Uh, if you're a good fantasy player, you're most likely a good real life player. It's it's there's a very small window where guys are uh, good fantasy but not good real life. It doesn't you'd have to be really bad defensively for that to happen. And in the National League, that's a lot harder to do. We don't have Although with the DH this year, if the DH becomes a permanent thing, you never know. But in the in the past, it, that ha- hasn't been a problem for National League guys so much. Friend Mill. Uh, yeah, RIP. We, we could we could use him this year. <laughs> I, I would make uh, he'd probably be my starting right fielder if if we had known the DH was going to come. I mean, not with his taxi squad. No, absolutely. Yeah, he'd be my he'd be my starting he'd be my opening day right fielder. Really? Yeah. Why not? Who else? Franchi. Grisham. Grisham's probably going to play more center field. Uh, Will Myers. Like, there's not a lot of... Taylor Trammell hasn't done anything. I mean, you know who I'm going to say. Taylor. It's my boy. I I just said that. I know. That's why you're giving me options. So anyway, before we get to Chris Welsh, he's going to take up the the beef of the show. Wade, you got an ad for us? While you're waiting this out at home, you can still have some fun betting with our partner. BetOnline.ag. Nice voice crack. No NBA, NHL, or MLB, but don't worry. BetOnline still has hundreds of games, events, and sports to wager on. NASCAR is back with no Confederate flags. Madden and NBA 2K simulators. UFC, Fight Island. Online casino with poker and blackjack. And be sure to check out The Final Dance with roundtable interviews from ex-Chicago Bulls. (laughs) Should I read this part? Yeah. Like this is it's five weeks old. The final Extra. dance is no. That, you think the last dance is five weeks old? The final dance is other stuff. Are they still Why? doing the final dance? Skip it. Executive okay. decision. Skip it. There's still fun to be had, so go to betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100 to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and use promo code MYPOD100. Bet online, your online wagering solution. How funny was the guy, the NASCAR driver who retired because he was mad that they banned the Confederate flag and everyone was like, who the hell, who are you? No one even knows who you are. You've never won a race. He's never done anything in NASCAR and he's take, he's going to die on this hill, like with the Confederate flag, apparently. And he's just become, he's become the biggest joke. He's become the biggest joke in sports. It's or, or maybe he's just trolling us all. And this is the way to get his name out there. Yeah, I mean, no one knew who he was before. NASCAR even tweeted back, like, or maybe that was fake, but they were like, we had to Google you. We don't even know who you are. <laughs> That's an amazing comeback from NASCAR. Didn't know you were a racer, bro. And he, or- he's, in like, he's in, like, I didn't even know they had, like, tiers, but he's in, like, the third tier, so he doesn't even get to race on, like, the big race days. No wonder. Oh, they have tiers. That's interesting. So kind of like, uh, 
like soccer where they have the you can go up and down in divisions and stuff. Yeah, I had no idea NASCAR had that, but found that out today because of this guy. I've always thought that would work well here for basketball, especially because basketball teams are so small that I think we could easily have another 30 smaller market teams competing. And then like the top two get to go up every year and make it interesting. I think the, I think the NBA could do that. Yeah, but then there's no superstars at the bottom of the league. How do you know? I mean, they'd have to totally redo how the draft works and stuff, but I think there's enough, there's enough basketball talent. I mean, you only have five guys playing at a time. So like, I think there's enough talent to fill. Is there enough talent? Like the East teams can't even, they are below 500 and get in the playoffs. I don't know that there's enough talent. There, there's enough talent. Just yeah, March Madness every month. What? <laughs> uh, we, we lost track of what we were talking about. So anyway, let's uh, talk about the season. So MLB and the Players Union seems to be getting really close to a deal to start a season. And Manfred put his foot down, which I didn't think was a great idea. Because if you force the players to play when they're not happy with the 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 arrangement we're looking at like a possible strike the following year so i wasn't happy that manfred came out and said we're guaranteed i mean a lot of people were happy yeah we're getting baseball this year but if the players are pissed this could do harm to them long term so that that concerned me a little bit yeah i mean when we're gonna get all these no names like uh like in what the scabs in like 94 you know well, they were talking about maybe playing with AAA guys. But don't you think that the minor league union would get together and be like, no, we support our major league brethren? I don't know. What if they offered the minor league guys a lot of money? If I, I mean, if I'm a minor league guy, I'm saying, hell yeah, let's go. Yeah, you're a 26-year-old who really has no chance to ever make it at this point, but you can get called up and make $5 million. Yeah, I don't think it'll be that much money, but... No, I'm, I'm a little extreme, but maybe like a million dollars. Yeah, that's and it's his only his really only his only chance to to play in the majors. Right. Or like he's 28, TV, 29. No one else is watching anything else. So you're on TV every night. It's not the product that the fans want. I don't think anybody wants that, but I'd watch it. I think the fans just want anything at this point. They do. So they're, it looks like they're getting closer to like an 80 ish, 90 between 80 and 90 game season. I'd be really God, I'd be happy if it was a 69-game season. I'm going to go – I'm going to have a take here, and it's it will be a 50-game season. Well, that's the that's going to be the Manfred-forced season, if anything. That's going to be the 50-gamer. That's where I think it's going. That's too bad. And, like, the speed, it's going to be incredible because the Padres – we talked about this before, but the Padres have a real chance to do damage. Like, all the teams do. There's a, there's a few at the bottom who are really punting on the season, like five or six teams. But the Potters are one of the teams that could actually get in. And if you get in, like anything can happen. It's it's baseball. It's such a streaky sport. Like you get hot two weeks and then you're like in first place with this little games. Yeah, I think I'd be OK with it as long as the, as long as we didn't get a strike the next year. But I, I I'm, I'm hopeful that things the, nego- the nego- negotiations. Wow. Seem to have gotten less volatile. As, as time has gone on, they, they were real dicks to each other. When the thing started, they weren't like the, the owners would send out a deal and the, the players would laugh at it and then not even counter. And then the players would send a deal a few weeks later and the owners wouldn't even counter. And now it seems like we're actually getting somewhere 
um, something that they should have been doing from the start, not in middle of June. But I think I think we're looking closer to like an 85 ish game season. And I think that'd be plenty to make it like an official. It would feel like a real year. It'd be really fast. But if they can do 80 games, about half a, a real season, I would have no problem in my personal record book to steal a line from Stugatz, uh, making this like a real World Series winner. Not like the NBA. I think the NBA has kind of already lost their credibility with the season because of the stop down and they're going to do this weird thing with the playoffs. It's not a real season anymore. I don't think they should have a finals. But if if MLB can make this work with 80 games, I think that would be a legitimate season. What do, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, in this, they, they're still doing normal divisions, right? You're still... Unclear, but they've, they've talked about, they've been, they've talked about a million different arrangements for the divisions, but I think with an 80 game season, you could do things more streamlined. You've got the DH and then I think you could do stuff where you have a balanced schedule between the national league and the, in the American league, you could balance the schedule completely with less games. It'd be easier to do. Yeah. And then more playoff teams as I drink some water, more playoff teams, obviously too. So I think they're talking about seven playoff teams. So why, why an odd number? I don't know. You get that first team a, a buy. I don't know. That's what they talked about. It's like, why not just make it eight and make it pretty even? Uh, they, because if there was eight per league, it's more than half the teams making the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, all I really want is uh Mudcat and Dan back on the airwaves. They're, they do social hour, which I don't, I honestly don't watch. Cause I, there's, it's just really, I don't know. They're, they're they can't be as spicy on social hour. And when there's no baseball to actually talk about, I need some spiciness, not the the general fluff, which is what they kind of do on radio and on, on pottery social hour stuff. I need it's like Dan talking about him, not catching fish. I don't know. I haven't watched it. So I, I honestly don't know what they talk. I about, only but... know that from his Twitter. Okay. He's a bit. Yeah. He's a big fisher fisherman person. Up in, out in Coronado at his house. I've never gotten into fishing. I feel like it's something I'd love, but I've never done it. Seems like a lot of work. That's the problem. I feel like it's not that much work, which is why <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, if you here, if we had a, a poll question, this would be a poll question. If you like golf, do you automatically like fishing, or would you? And you don't know it yet. Do those things are those two things symbiotic? I would say no, but we okay. can ask the audience. Because golf is another thing that takes all day to do. You usually get up really early to do it. You're with a couple buddies drinking. A lot of similarities between fishing and golf, although one's on sea and one's on land. That's that's the big one. That's different. I mean, sea only if you're on the coast. There's a lot of you know rivers, water, lakes. water. Okay, I meant I said sea, but you're on liquid. Unless you're ice fishing, or fly fishing. Well, you're standing in water still. Oh, I don't know. Anything <laughs> about fly fishing? You can fish from the shore, I guess, or a pier. See, this is why we need we need actual. We don't know anything about fishing. Yeah. But anyway, we should uh, we should look into that fishing. I think if you like golf, you would like fishing because they're both really slow, tedious things to do while you, you drink. You're mostly there to drink. Yeah. Just hang out in the sun. Let's talk about the draft. So the draft finished today. The Padres got their guy who they were linked to all pre-draft, I guess. All the, all the months leading up to the draft, it seemed like they were on either Zach Veen or Robert Hassel, the third, throwing the third in there. I like it. I like the third at the end of the name for some reason. If, uh, as the, as the draft got closer, it seemed like they were more and more tightly tied to Robert Hassel. And that's who they ended up getting. There were some guys available 
because of some drama at the top of the draft with pick number two, your boy Heston Kierstad going number two overall really shook things up. And there was a, we thought there was a chance that the Padres might end up with someone else, someone they didn't expect to have on the board. Zach Veen was on the board. We didn't think he was going to be there. And then Robert Hassel, another Tennessee guy, Ryan Weathers, also from Tennessee, former uh, first-round draft pick. Former uh, Little League World Series player. Hassel, yeah, they love showing that video. They also showed uh, Monet Davis. Had to get was, her back in there. I should I should have made a bet pre-show whether you would mention Monet Davis. <laughs> you mention Monet Davis whenever you get the chance. Um, I mean, seemed like a pretty good pick. The only thing that scares me is like the last Little League World Series player they picked was uh, Sean Burroughs. Don't so say that. You getting just, a little flashbacks. You just invoked Sean Burroughs. Save that for prospect of the year 1998, which is coming in about three weeks probably. <laughs> no, not three weeks, but maybe 20 weeks. We're, we're way behind on prospect of the year. So Robert Hassel, the, the, it seemed like they liked Hassel over Veen the whole time, and we didn't know it. I think a lot of other industry people preferred Veen, and we're going to talk to Chris Welsh about who he likes. But they're really similar players. Hassel, more hit over power. Veen, more power over hit. And I think when you're talking about high school outfielders, Long, lean guys like this. He's listed at 6'2", 195. I'll take the under on the 195 because he looks thin. As and a former, yeah, as a, as a former six foot two thin guy in high school, I can tell you that guy's not 195. Uh, I I think you I think taking the guy that's hit over power at this stage is better. He, the, the, it seems like everyone really likes his mechanics. His swing is he does the have a same. Nice, yeah, short every, compact swing. Every time he swings the bat, it's the same. And they were saying that from his days in little league all the way up through call or uh, through high school, that he didn't change his swing at all. And it, it, there's a little hitch at the top maybe, but no one seems to care because he hits the ball so well. And you can, you gain power as you mature. He's 18 years old. So why not take the guy who knows how to hit better? And then he can add power as he gets bigger and older, stronger, gets into a, a minor league weight room, starts working with Padres coaches at spring training. That stuff, that stuff's easier to add than the natural hit tool, which it seems like he has. So the more I hear about Robert Hassel, lefty-lefty uh, guy, bats, throws lefty, um, really sweet-looking left-handed swing, something the Padres haven't drafted in a while. I can't think of, I mean, this type of player with this kind of upside of the Padres. Um, from an offensive standpoint, they've drafted pitchers with really high upside. Mackenzie Gore was the last. Let's hearing shooter. some uh, Christian Yelich. Well, Yelich... Kind of a late bloomer. I don't know if a casual baseball fan remembers Yelich. He was always a really big guy, kind of hassle-looking-ish, which is why I see the comparisons. But people thought Yelich was going to be winning batting titles when he came up, and he, he's still good. He hits he hits the crap out of the ball. But he's becoming he's become like a Ted Williams masher, the high average and the high power. And that wasn't really – people didn't think that was going to be part of his game, or they hoped it would be as he filled out. But he was always just – a singles doubles guy. And then he left Miami and exploded. And maybe Robert Hassel becomes a late bloomer like that. Maybe he gets to the majors as a hit first guy and the power comes later. Like Yelich, that'd be incredible. Yelich is an MVP. So um, that's what you can expect or that we can hope for from Hassel. But I would expect maybe uh, I wouldn't raise my expectations that high for this version of Yelich. I would be very, very happy with the 25 year old version of Yelich who was the 20 homer uh, perennial 300 average guy that plays a good outfield. That would, that'd be great. Yeah. And I mean, when people are complaining like, Oh, it should have been Veen," It's like, you don't know. These kids are so similar <laughs> at 18 years old. Like 
Even the guys at like Baseball America and MLB.com who do this all year, like maybe you had Veen ahead of him, but you can't trash the hassle pick like you really know. Even those guys don't know. They're like such similar players. They're 18 years old. Like maybe one pans out, maybe one doesn't. You don't know at this age. It's not like, oh my God, that was the worst pick ever. They should have taken Veen. Like, I don't think anyone's really saying that, to be fair. I think you're straw manning a little bit. I mean, but I see your point. No, (laughs) someone. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks for the content. I do think there is one, there is a, someone out there that is doing that. The, the casual fan, like maybe the versions of you and me from high school, where you're like, what the fuck are they doing? Veen was right there. Veen's you know? been or my like, boy all year after I read that one article. Terrible night. pick. Yeah. That would have been <laughs> us at 18. So I, I do get that. But at the same time, uh, they're so close. And if you're, if you're like the, the Red Sox who went way off the board, or if you're like the Orioles who took Hurstad. Um, at number two overall, when he, everyone was mocking him between like 10 and 15, then from I think Amarillo. you, I think you, from Amarillo, you always try to make it uh fancier than it, than it is. Um, you have no Texan in you. That's a yeah, problem. I throw in the, uh, Spanish yellow, the soft a, you throw the double L in there, the Y sound. Where was yeah. I going? Oh, I, I was saying, um, no, yeah, no one really knows. So, ba- so basically, you should just, if Hassel and Veen are close for you, just be trust Preller. Knows what he's doing. He all he does. <laughs> the guy is a freak. Uh, all he does is study um, talent, like a high school international league talent. I still have questions about whether I was thinking about this on the way over. Preller hasn't shown the ability to pick major league guys yet at the major league level, and I mean, I mean that through like trades and through free agent signings. He doesn't have a good track record of, of picking up major league talent. That's a problem. Yeah, he's good at find. Well, I mean, we assume that he's good at finding these like kids, but so far so good. I mean, it's the best system. But in yet baseball. to be seen at the major league level. That too. Yeah, they haven't they haven't come up to the majors yet and done anything. But I also mean like if he starts trading some prospects, so like Xavier Edwards um, to Tampa Bay, if he starts trading these guys who are all highly regarded for major league talent. He hasn't shown the ability to pick major league talent. That's good yet. Think about, I mean, you think about 2015, the disaster that was, we we were all really excited about it, but then it was a shit show. And then guys he's tried to, to trade for and hasn't succeeded. So I always think about Yasmani Tomas and Pablo Sandoval guys that would have gutted this team if they did sign them. And then the guys he actually has succeeded. Eric Hosmer is one of the worst signings in Padre history, unless Hosmer who is admitted I've heard a bunch of reports that he's admitted to his problems hitting the ball into the ground. He has really good exit velocity. He has power. If he starts hitting the ball in the air, he could, he could turn things around and be a 25 homer, 30 homer guy, but I gotta see it. Gotta see it. Yeah. His base running is phenomenal. I gotta see it first. So until Hosmer does that, I'll be, Hey, I'll be first in line to, to say, I love you, Eric Hosmer, if he has a good season. But so far he hasn't given me a reason to do that. So I'm going to continue to say it's been one of the worst signings in Potter's History. I think that's fair. Is that fair? I'm trying to think back. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty It's pretty bad. It's pretty fucking bad, considering <laughs> everything else went along with it. Uh, how do we start talking about Hosmer again? But the considering that no one was bidding for him, allegedly, and that we gave him $25 plus million, it's just, it's unfor- It's almost unforgivable, other than Preller has made a lot of other really good moves. The, he's, he's made some terrible moves, and he's made some amazing moves. So... I guess we take the good with the bad with brother. Anyway, other picks. So Hassel's the the high school outfielder from Independence uh, in Tennessee. Justin Lang, B 
big high school arm from I think it's I think it's Lano Lano. I think they call it Lano High School. I kept Texas. thinking Plano, but yeah, it's Lano. It's Lano. That's what was thrown. I thought they said Plano too, and I looked it up and I was like, what is that? And uh, if you were doing your print your Spanish pronunciation again, it would be Llano, which I guess the sister city of Amarillo or Amarillo. So <laughs> he's he's huge. He's six four, listed at two twenty. Again, I'm not like sold on the 220 you're you're a big hoss if you're 220 but he's a, he's a big kid for sure throwing 100 miles an hour like everybody apparently does i know and i feel like literally every single pitcher taking this draft it's like yeah he touches 100 you know what's bugging me is i'm i'm watching scouting videos on mostly on i'm scrolling through my twitter feed and i follow a bunch of prospect analysts and scouts and you know baseball teams and it, like the, the smaller places where kids go to train and i just see kids consistently working on the, the, the skills to just throw harder. That seems it's like there, all they care about. Like, you know, little batting cages, like JP long ball. And like, yeah. you don't know that that radar is like accurate. And it's like, Oh yeah. hundred, like, I oh, saw, look, it was like throwing 105. Like there was what? the kid throwing 105. Yeah. You're <laughs> right. Um, but also I don't know why kids are just so obsessed with throwing the ball that fast. It, once you get up to like 95, 96, that's enough. I don't, if you're if you're training your arm to throw a lot harder than it should, um, short term okay, but long term you're probably doing a lot of damage to your arm. And I don't like a hundred's not what it used to be. So it's not 1992 where if you if you went out to the the draft and you were throwing 99, you were the only kid doing it. Now everybody does it. So right. why I aren't mean, you working on things like your off speed pitch? Why don't you work on a really good changeup, which I think is the most valuable pitch a, a right hander can have. And so I mean, what, what the scouts are saying about Lang, it's like they grade his fastball at like a 70, 80, and it typically sits like 94, 95. So he's not, he can get okay. 200, but he's not doing that. So the if, velocity, if on, the, like yeah. the velocity on his pitch kind of like dictates how it moves. Okay. At, like when he's throwing it like 94, 95, it's moving. When he's throwing it, trying to gas it at 100, it's just going straight. And everyone can hit a straight 100 mile an hour fastball. It's in the major league. We've like you need it. to have it move. Yeah. That's, I mean, with, with Lang, it was, Kind of a reach is what people were saying, just because he doesn't really have any off-speed pitches. But the Padres minor league system has proven that they can teach people off-speed pitches. Yeah, and I don't mind taking the guy with huge upside that's missing an off-speed pitch. Maybe he doesn't have a three-pitch repertoire yet. He's 18 years old. I don't really – that doesn't mean a lot to me because you get him in big league camp. You work with professional coaches, not your high school coach. That You can learn a cutter or you can learn a sinker or you can learn a changeup. That's, that's kind of what – the perp that's the point of the minor leagues and we're seeing yeah. Chris Paddock who's in the majors adding pitches already. And uh, yeah, I mean, overall, I like this pick. I think it's a good pick. I, a, I think a lot of people like that pick. I don't think anyone had anything wrong with that pick. Owen, uh, I think it's Owen Casey. I, I, I forgot how you say his name. It's anyway, another Owen. We got it. We got an Owen to go with Owen Miller, by the way, taxi squad guy this year. Owen Miller. You ready? He could, could be. So Owen, K I'll call him Casey for now. He's, uh, he was one of the youngest guys in the draft. So he, I was making fun of you cause he, he's very white and very redheaded and he kind of looks, Sorry. what? Sorry. What is that? He's, he's oh, he, he, he was born in Canada, right? Yeah. He, I mean, he went to high school in Canada. He is from Canada. He lives That's in Canada too. currently. Well, what I said wasn't wrong. Why are you coming at me? True. <laughs> uh, he looked a little like Clint Frazier. Do you remember Clint Frazier? I think he went to yeah, the Yankees. Yeah, he was drafted by the Indians, traded the Yankees. 
um, kind of kind of flaming out a little bit. He hasn't found kind of he hasn't been given a chance to play every day. I would I wouldn't have minded if the Potters w- went and got him or give him a chance. Him and uh, La Jolla High for Bradley Zimmer. Bradley Zimmer. We're on the yeah. Indians together. Yeah, Bradley Zimmer. Speaking of another guy that flamed out, and Kyle, his brother, who had a huge had a huge upside as a starting pitcher and just couldn't stay healthy, which is too bad. They're both still in the league. Both still on rosters. They're, what do they have to be right now? Like 27, 28? No, they're younger. Uh, I think Bradley is 20... Or Kyle, maybe. Kyle, maybe 28. I think Bradley's about 25, 26. You look that up. Anyway, Casey... So Casey's from Canada, like you said. Um, big... For, for 17, I think this they're, this is a purely projection pick from Preller here. So he's already 6'4", 190, and he looks more like it than the other guys. He, he looks thick. And... I know, really athletic, left-handed, um, turning 18 next month. So he's he's considered one of the youngest guys in the draft and has some of the highest exit velocity in the draft. So if you're one of those guys who loves uh, batted ball exit velocity, I'm not such a launch angle guy in high school. I don't think you should be trying to hit for launch angle in high school. But the exit velo, 105 miles per hour, is, is going to be up there among anyone in baseball. Um, and I know he's doing it with an aluminum bat. But I actually, this could have been recorded at one of those uh prep showcases where they used a wood bat that's possible i don't know if they used a wood bat for they, they probably did they, they would did. love to see what he could do with a puck you know uh is that a, is that a canada joke oh yeah hilarious so i i like him i think i think he's just a pure projection guy he's going to take forever to develop but he could turn into prospects uh like coin i guess to to trade later there's, there's no rush on these guys. The same with Hassel. If the Padres decide they're winning in a couple of years and Hassel's, you know, moving through the system slowly, but considered a top prospect, well, like I expect him to be, then, you know, you trade him and go get someone else. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're kind of in like a win in the next two, one, one to three years. It's like, get these kids, get them on the top 100 list and then trade them for somebody. They, they're kind of doing that with, they started to do that last year. We were, we were sad to see Xavier Edwards go, but we're like, you know, that, make, that makes sense. There's no, like, Xavier Edwards doesn't have, like, a, a great place to play right now. I guess second base is still open. But a guy with kind of limited upside, which is Xavier Edwards, he's going to rely on his bat a ton. And if you're if you're a no-power guy with, with I don't know, high, high speed, he's going to have, like, a 70-grade speed. But that's a lot of pressure on your bat to hit, you know, 280, 290, or 300 to have a have a serious role on an everyday, on an everyday lineup. So... I don't mind the risk of trading him and I don't mind, you know, trading some of these younger guys. It's just, again, with Preller, we haven't seen him be able to, to identify the major league talent. And I haven't seen the Padres take anyone from another team and turn them into someone good yet. Like the, the Astros do the, the Padres haven't done that ever. Unless you're a pitcher. So I'm not counting old pitchers that came to Petco. Adrian and, Gonzalez. Um, well, Adrian Gonzalez had what, like a cup of coffee with the Rangers. So I wouldn't count that. I'm talking about a guy who has been in the league for a few years, who has always had some talent, but hasn't really um, fulfilled, you know, everything that he could. And the Padres identified a weakness in his game and were like, hey, let's get that guy in here. I bet we can turn him into an all-star. The Padres have never done that. Kevin (laughs) Kuznoff? It's definitely definitely worked in reverse for the Padres. Taking a guy who's already pretty good. It works in reverse for the Padres all the time. Either taking a guy who's already pretty good and he he turns to shit real quickly, um, or taking a guy who's terrible here, and then we trade him away, he turns into an all star. One of those two seems to happen every year. So yeah. I'm, I'm expecting huge things out of Manuel Margot this year. By the way, I'm on record of that. 
I mean, the whole Devil Rays outfield. Renfro, Renfro. He's going to yeah. hit 40 home runs. Margot's going to hit 300. Before Margot got traded, you and I were both on the same page. Margot's going to be in his third year. Like, this is kind of the time they start to break out. I know he started slowly, but he always hit for a high average in the minors. He always had speed. He he always played a pretty good defense. Uh, he he slipped a little bit defensively. But I think he could still be a pretty good player. Yeah. It's going to be sad when he becomes, you know, really good. The big news today was Cole Wilcox going in the third round. He went 80th overall. Uh, college pitcher from uh, Georgia. Righty. Draft eligible sophomore. So there was there was the worry that he was not going to sign with a team for anything less than, you know, first ra- high first round money or he was just going to go back to school. He's like, pay me. I don't care where you take me. You're going to pay me a lot of money or I can go back to Georgia. But some people think he's just as good as Emerson Hancock, who went top five. I think he went four overall. So getting Cole Wilcox here and it looks like they already have an agreement in place. These are just a rumor, but I don't think Preller would sign the kid if they didn't think they were going to sign him. Or They're, would he just to save money? No, I think they want him. Not a Matt Bush type signing? Don't you ever say that name on here. <laughs> I think they really wanted him. And I think they saw an opportunity like they did with Hudson Head last year to take the guy in the third round and you know save some money in the first couple of picks. Owen Casey might sign under slot. Um, and they're going to give Cole Wilcox reportedly $3.2 million, which is about $2.5 million over slot for where he was selected in the draft. Yeah, I mean, this is a huge pick. Everyone on Twitter seemed to love it. It's just how could you not? Of, He's a first round talent that right. everyone liked in like the the twenty range, maybe overall. It's just a matter of if we can sign him or not. Yeah, and I, I think there's there's definitely a plan to. I don't think they would have signed the guy. They did. They're following the same pattern they did in the years past. I don't think. Yeah, any- I, the only thing that scares me is like, is it Preller trying to outsmart other GMs, like him thinking he can sign him, but he can't. You never know. I guess we'll find out. Um, I th- when do they have to sign till? I think is it August first is when they have to sign by. Is it? It's going to be interesting. So he's not a um, Boris client, is he? Isn't everybody? I feel like everybody is. Yeah. Potentially. Anyway, I love I love that getting Cole Wilcox. We were talking about Cole Wilcox on day one, like when we were picking. I think thirty when we were our second pick. Um, Cole Wilcox was in play and we're like, why don't we take Cole Wilcox here, um, at 34 overall. And they took Justin Lang, who I don't know was a guy that I wasn't super excited about at the time, but you do a little more homework on the guy and like, Oh, he's, he's got some upside here. I like, he's a workhorse. He's a big kid. Um, not super projectable right now, which is what you like to see from the high schoolers, but already filled out, you know, he, he's somebody, I like him. Uh, Cole Wilcox though, 80th overall. I didn't think he kept sliding. I was like, okay, the Padres, aren't in play, I guess. And then they, they surprised me and took him 80th overall. I think I'm really happy with him college pitcher who could potentially move quickly through the system. That's like a Cal Quantrill that we saw. Potteries don't take a lot of college guys just in general at the top of the draft. So it's going to be nice to see a guy actually move quickly through the system for once. Yeah. I mean, are you scared about giving a college arm who has more innings than a high school arm that kind of money though? No, uh, not not too much. He's he's a, a draft eligible sophomore. He hasn't been. He's not like a four year starter where they they pounded him into the ground every year. He's I think he's still. You know he 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 can handle the workload. I think he's he's six five two thirty allegedly. He's not a he's not one of these guys that's like Luis Patino who's five eleven or six feet. I think they have him at six feet tall. 
who's a little slighter. This guy's a, this guy's a big hoss, you know, like I think, um, and considering he's not, you know, that four year starter, like I said, I think you're, I think we're fine. I wouldn't worry about him in his arm yet. Okay. So that's my take on him. The other guy is Levi Thomas, who's a uh, pitcher from Troy. And then they took Jagger Haynes, fifth round, 139 overall. Great name. Jagger. Is that, that's the best name of the, of our picks, at least. It, I consider we should do a, a draft of best names from this year's draft. That'd be up the top. That's got to be up there. Yeah. Jagger Haynes. I, I like to say, I like to say the whole thing. That's one of the things I like about a good name. You should have to say both the first and the last together. If the, if it, they go together as well as Jagger Haynes, and you've really got something special. I mean, Bobrovsky. Who was Bobrovsky? What was it? It was the Canadian Sports Center about the uh, goalie in the NHL. And anytime it went to <laughs> him, they would just yell, Bobrovsky. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, I'm not spending too much time on Thomas and Haynes, admittedly. Maybe we can get Chris Welsh to, to jump into that. But the. I mean, these guys are more, more flyers, like we talked about. You know, the first. Yeah, few. these are complete guesses. After you get out of the first two. But hey, we got we got through the entire draft in just like twenty minutes. That's pretty impressive. Should every year be a five year draft or five round draft? This is this going to be our thing again, where we talk about uh, why having a short draft isn't like a terrible thing? Because <laughs> you and I are the only people I've ever heard say that. I mean, it's not the worst. I don't think it's the worst either. (laughs) (laughs) I know it deprives a lot of kids the chance to get drafted, but like the MLB draft is 40 fucking rounds every year. NFL doesn't come anywhere close. The NBA draft is two rounds. Like baseball is going to be baseball special. Like you get even five rounds is more than um, the NBA. So like, you know, go to, you go to junior college for, if you're a high school player, go to junior college and have a good, have a good season. You'll get drafted next year. Well, and now with the new rule, even college sophomores can come out. Like you don't have to be there all three years, you know? Yeah. I don't feel, I don't feel so bad for you that you didn't get drafted and you're, you're going to have an opportunity to play later. And we're not ESPN did this thing where they were running through all the guys that were drafted outside the top five. That's, I think that's so such a bad argument to make. Because if those guys were un- if those guys were undrafted free agents, they would have been picked up by someone. Like there, there's no chance Mike Piazza is playing an independent ball and not be- not get noticed. You know, like these guys yeah. would have been found. It's not like we're, we we're going to miss out on all this talent because the draft was short this year. And we're going to go to college. On camera. What's that? And everything's on camera. Oh, and today, yeah, it's not the it's not the '80s or the '90s anymore. We're there. Everyone with a, a phone is a scout now. So you're at a high school game, you're at a ju- junior college game, you're gonna get seen. You're you're gonna be all these players who are have talent. You're gonna be fine. Don't worry about it. I I really wouldn't worry about it. If I'm a good high school high school player, and I I didn't get drafted this year, maybe I'm like projected to be a, a 10, 15 round guy. I'm gonna go to junior college and have a good couple seasons and get drafted next year, or uh, two years. Not that big a yeah. deal. And then, like, since the seniors didn't get to play, NCAA did the right thing and was like, hey, you guys can come back for another year. I think we're still alone on that island. We'll, we'll have to – I'll ask around, but I think uh, no one else is taking that. It's not a very popular stance. Less kids getting drafted. I'm fine with it. <laughs> I know you are. That's why you're on the show. Um. All right. I think that's going to do it for our draft coverage. We're, we're not getting too deep, although that went longer than I thought we were going to go. We're going to get in – Chris Welsh right here and call it a day. 
So here he is, Chris Welsh. Back with Chris Welsh from Prospect One and In This League podcast. Download wherever you listen to podcasts and follow him on Twitter at Is It The Welsh. Chris, thanks for coming back on the show. It's been a while. I know, Ryan. What's up, buddy? It's good to be back. Did people keep asking if you're the Welsh? Where did that, where did that Twitter <laughs> handle come from? Uh, you know what it was? It was um, because my uh, cohort at In This League, Scott Bogman, one of my my best friend in the world, he uh, he kind of came up with the moniker of the Welsh. So when we would do podcasts, Bogman doesn't like to just say, hey, Welsh or Chris Welsh. He says the Welsh. So when we first started podcasting, people would be like, it's the Welsh. Like everybody would have that same response. Like it was uh, the guy from U2, like the edge. Like, what are you talking about? So everybody would do that. So that's where the moniker, I was just like, yeah, it's the Welsh. So is it the Welsh was I, I couldn't put a question mark on Twitter. But yeah, you know, that's kind of the uh, the history behind it, I guess. That's fun. It's like your alter ego, your fantasy sports alter ego. I like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. A little bit of the you don't have to be formal. You can just call me Welsh. So Welsh, the whole I mean, yesterday was a busy day for you and for a lot of uh, people who do podcasts and do write ups about the draft. And it, the last couple of days have been pretty busy. But let's start with yeah. some day two stuff. Um, since we're recording this on Friday now, there was kind of a splash yesterday. Cole Wilcox, I think, was the big splash of the day. Um, the right-handed pitcher from Georgia, who a lot of people had first-round grades on. Big kid, huge upside, huge signability concerns. And the Padres got him at 80, and it looks like they're going to – or 80 overall. And it looks like they're going to be able to sign him for somewhere in the $3.2 million range, which is you know a little over $2 million over slot. Um what were your thoughts on him pre-draft? Uh, did you expect a slide like this? And what do you see him, you know, kind of doing in San Diego? Yeah, I mean, th- there's a lot to like about Cole Wilcox. I mean, high, high, upper 90s can even hit that 100 range on the fastball. It's got sync to it, so it can really, you know, pound in. mid 90 slider, change up. There's some command issues that had me worried. And, you know, there's... um. What's nice about him is his delivery has it has like minimal arm action, but there's still this little bit of like violence with it. So where I'm building to is you take some command issues, maybe take some violence in there. You get a guy that can hit, you know, high, high 90s. The team is going to work him out as a starting pitcher, but there was some relief risk. Any team, not just specifically the Padres for a minute, Mm. but any team was going to work out Cole Wilcox as a starter to start. But I thought that. You know, maybe compared to I, th- I feel like uh, JT Ginn uh, from Mississippi State and Cole Wilcox had a lot of similarities and, you know, being drafted, not going back and they were being in the same general range. I like a, a guy like JT Ginn a little bit more just because I think he's a future frontline starter. Cole Wilcox has it. It's just will a team be willing to sit around and will they even want to sit around and wait for him to establish himself as a big time starter? So all that's to say that there's a little bit of a tepidness coming into the draft about him. But I thought he was a top 35 ish prospect overall. And when he didn't go in the first round, the rumor literally after day one was well, Cole Wilcox is going back to Georgia because he's not going to be able to sign. He's already telling people he's going back. So when the Padres took him at 80, I was shocked. And then even more shocked immediately after was the rumor that they had a deal done, a way, way over slot deal done. So, you know, if there was a team I was going to feel better about Cole Wilcox going to, like, you know, give me a couple teams at the top. 
the San Diego Padres are them. They're the ones that are going. I mean, they have been developing pitchers in a magnificent way for a while, but they also have such a um, an amount of depth that I wonder, you know, how long are they going to let him marinate? Would he be more prone to be a bullpen guy for a team like this? But either way, this is a team that is fantastic to have Cole Wilcox on. They're going to develop him. He's going to be with other really, really great pitchers. So I I feel like his prospect prowess is um, it's even more on the uptick and uh, pretty incredible, you know, 80 overall and 2 million over slot. Pretty incredible move that the Padres did. Yeah, if it, well, if it works out, the value there is, I mean, you're always trying to find value in the draft and with anything in life, I guess. And if you can get the value here and it, everything works out and he becomes a, a piece that contributes, then good on you, you know. Um, back to day one for a bit. We saw, we, or I thought at least, that the, the consensus was going to be no surprises in the first few picks. And then Kirsten Herstad, Keston Herstad, I have such trouble saying that name. Keston, Keston um, Kirstad. Oh, man. It, yeah, Wait, get, it feel it feels like uh, uh, Keston Hira. That's why his name. That's is why I do it because yeah. it it flips on both parts of his name. Yeah, Heston Kerstad, uh, Arkansas outfielder. If they ever play on the same team, I'm screwed. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like it's like the Indians <laughs> taking. They have Logan Allen, who they traded from. Uh, they traded for from the <laughs> Padres, and then they drafted a Logan Allen pitcher out of uh, Florida International in this draft. So those two guys are there, and yeah, Baltimore, Milwaukee, in about three years will be a nightmare with these two. I saw Logan Allen, the the older Logan Allen, uh, thanking people on Twitter for getting drafted a second time by the end. I thought yeah. that was pretty funny. Yeah, he's getting hit up uh, left and right. So he flies up to two and screws everyone up. W- what was running through your mind when you saw him go second overall? Uh, I mean, there's a uh, there's a Twitter picture um, uh, for prospect one in this league. We have a Patreon and I was doing a live stream like three hours of the draft I did for a lot of our Patreon members. And uh, somebody took a screenshot and I, I think I tweeted it out of my reaction to Heston Kerstead because I had heard the rumor that Baltimore was looking at other names besides Austin Martin. Most likely, I mean, to be honest, the actual rumor that was going around was that they would underslot it to with either a Nick Gonzalez or a Zach Veen. And then Nick Bitsko was the guy that they wanted at 30. And obviously Bitsko didn't even make it there. Mm-hmm. And they took a little bit of flack because everyone was like, oh, you underslot it too and you get a guy at 30 that you didn't need to overpay whatsoever in uh, Westberg. But um, I was shocked that he just didn't seem like the guy I had him. I want to say like 11. I had him behind Robert Hassel. I had him behind Garrett Mitchell. I had him behind Austin Hendricks as far as outfield. There's no brainer behind Zach Veen. I thought Veen was in play there. Uh, I still think Austin Martin was the clear cut number two in this draft. And I, I still would love to know the full the uh, knowledge behind why they did it. But uh, Kirstead is a analytical guy. The team, they're an analytical team. It's a good ballpark for him to hit in. I just don't know if the hit tool is going to be, uh, it's going to play up enough, but the guy's got, you know, 35 plus home run power. So they're, you know, banking on a future corner uh, outfielder, but it was, it was a shock and it obviously had reverberations kind of, you know, down the line. I think the the Marlins were locked into Max Meyer regardless, but then you saw the uh, Royals just walk into Asa Lacey and then the Blue Jays said, thank you very much. We'll take Austin Martin all day. So the top five was, was, it was weird. It was crazy. I, I love a good drama in my draft. Uh, I was yeah, I love watching the draft, especially this year because it was so short and the picks were moving so quickly. It was a I thought it was a really good TV show this year for a change. Usually it's kind of dragging. 
Yeah, well, um, I mean, no baseball, and they upped the production. I had talked with um, with Jim Callis a couple weeks prior on the show uh, to the draft, and he was kind of telling me about you know their uptick in production. You know, day two they were going to keep all the same guys and have the same breakdowns, and uh, yeah, it was it was a good look. It was a good look to a weird situation. Was Torkelson as easy a number one as it seems, and is he going to be? We're going to look back at this number one pick. It's like a Bryce Harper type number one pick where it was such an obvious call and he's going to be so good right away. And there was just never any doubt in anyone's mind that he's going to be as good. In my eyes, I mean, at least in my eyes, maybe not every other uh, person out there, but, you know, Spencer is out. I'm out. I live in here in Arizona and I got to see him here at ASU. And, you know, he's the, it's a real deal, man. You know, plus plus power uh, anywhere from 70 to 80 grade people put on the power. The hit tool is a plus. You know, I think I've seen a lot of common comps or like uh, Andrew Vaughn out of Cal was given like a 65 comp on his hit. So you'd probably put a 60 on Spencer Torkelson. He gets beat a little bit down in the zone, at least I saw in college. But that's sometimes just being like over aggressive and wanting to dominate on the pitches you think you can hit. But the guy, he's going to take his walks. He's going to absolutely smash the ball. He can play defense. And then they they shocked everybody. You know, it was it was crazy that the first pick could actually be a shock because it wasn't that Torkelson was taken is that they announced him as a third baseman. And uh, that was a bit surprising. He had played third base. Uh, I don't know if he had done it at ASU. It hadn't been a while, but the Tigers hadn't even really worked him out at third base, uh, nor could they because of the pandemic, but uh, they are going to try him out there. And worst case, They'll just move him back to first base. And the Tigers actually took his battery mate, Cage Workman, who was the third baseman at ASU. So worst case, worst case, he goes to first. Gage can play uh, short or third base. And he got some future teammates to grow together. But yeah, Torque is going to be, I think it's going to be a no-brainer. We'll look back and we'll be like, oh, there's some weird stuff here. You know, this guy went ahead of this guy, but Torque won't be in the conversation. Now that the MLB draft is over, fantasy guys are kind of starting to lurk around and pick, you know, check in on some of these players. I know uh, you're a big fantasy guy and my draft for first year player guys in my, in my dynasty league is in August. And then I have another league where it's actually next year are what, what are some of your draft strategies when you're looking at some of these first year player guys? Do you prefer high school or college? Do you do bats over arms? Um, are there players taken from specific organizations that make you lean towards them just because you trust their front office so much? Um, what were some of your draft strategies looking at these guys? Well, uh, I know there's a there's a lot of people that like college, 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 and I and I can get down with that. It just depends the type of keeper or dynasty or whatever that I'm running. I'm more likely to always focus on the best player. So you are going to see me take and and rank higher some high school hitters and international players as well. You know, I'll be a guy that uh, I you know was higher on Wander Franco than the majority of the industry uh, on his first year, and I kind of keep Marco Luciano. Same thing. I'm a you know, Marco Luciano is a top six prospect to me. So um, I'm not afraid to go youth, but I definitely am hitter over pitcher the majority of the time. I don't value catchers a, a crazy amount in fantasy. Pitchers, they'll like this year's pitching class is just so much better than last year's. There wasn't a player you could take in your first year player draft last year as a pitcher. You're not going to take George Kirby. This year, Max Meyer, Emerson Hancock, and Asa Lacey, they all belong in the first round of your first year player drafts. But I'm going to lean hitters. And um, I, as far as organizations go, there's a couple organizations like I don't particularly love 
like Nick Gonzalez going to the Pirates was kind of like, eh, you know, okay. Like, I don't love seeing that. I love Zach Veen in Colorado, but I don't necessarily love how they develop the guys. Uh, Tampa Bay Rays, you, you know, that hurts. Any Rockies pitcher, Chris McMahon, who was a uh, Miami pitcher who was drafted there, he just plummeted in value. And then, like, the uptick would be, it seemed like the Padres. You know, Padres, uh, Robert Hassel, you've got to look at. Um, you know, Robert Hassel for... We call it the Padres tax. James Anderson from RotoWire and I, we call it the Padres tax you have to pay for Padres prospects because they are valued a little bit higher nowadays just with how they develop their guys. So, yeah, hitting. I'm not afraid to go youth. Uh, probably avoid pitching, especially in this class because there's so many deep pitchers you can get later. And um, don't draft catchers. That's how That's how I roll. What what if that catcher's named Adley Rushman? Now that is, I mean, he is the the one exception to okay. the rule. Adley There's... Adley is uh, Joey Bart is close into there too, but um, Adley was the exception to the rule. I was gonna say, not an Adley Rushman guy. No, no, no. But I mean, the elite of the elite are always worth it. Like pitching is the same thing. Yeah. Like I don't, I wouldn't take high end pitching in fantasy. Like the prices people pay, except when you look at the elite players, like the McKenzie Gores and the Jesus Lazardos. Those guys, they buck the trend. Their, you know, their eliteness is a tier above the rest. So if you miss on those guys, you just wait because it's a large grouping of uh, not necessarily similar players, but a lot of similar values. That's fair. Since you mentioned Veen and Hassel, who did you have higher on your board? I had Veen. Uh, definitely okay. Veen. Um, I mean, ha- Hassel is, um, you know, Hassel's going to be really fun to see what he does in San Diego, but Veen, bat speed, power, speed, big body. Uh, I love everything about the swing. I mean, he, he's just one of those players that you dream on. I think there were some like Cody Bellinger type comps on there. And I, I legitimately thought, you know, Veen to San Diego when San Diego was up, I was like, well, here we go. You know, I this, is too, the, yeah. this is the dream. This is the thing we all thought was going to happen. But San Diego, you know, they're also, if you, if you look at the tea leaves here and you read them, you know, would, are they going to cut a deal with Hassel? Could they have cut a deal with Veen? Maybe they get a discount with Hassel where they might have had to pay up for Veen because I've heard his asking price was around seven and a half, where I think the slot of where he went was seven two. So you don't save anything with taking Veen. And they had already looks like they had probably already cut this deal with Wilcox pre-draft so that make it makes more sense now why they didn't take it but i mean i would have loved veen there but Hassel's going to be a super super interesting prospect uh, um in san diego it's gonna be fun to watch if baseball ever opens up out here in arizona he would be out he would in about a month be out here for the azl which would have started up and i would be seeing him so hopefully i'm seeing him soon Hit it when math gets in the way of my draft. I'm just trying to watch. I'm just trying to watch guys get picked. I don't want to do the I math know, right? on, the, <laughs> on the signing bonuses. And you're missing out on Christmas this year. This is when all the guys head out to your backyard and play baseball for you. This this has to suck for you right now. It sucks. It really does suck. I'm telling you, like extended spring training would have been uh, happening. Right now, uh, you know, the Padres got some nice international guys that I could have been getting peaks on. I live just a stone's throw away from the Rangers and Royals. So we would have seen some of their international prospects, uh, Maximo Acosta and Eric Pena. And then, like I said, within the the next couple of weeks would have been the AZL where that's all rookie ball. And it's the high school draft guys, international dra- uh, international signees. And sometimes the college guys take a stop in, you know, so it's like what would have happened. This is a, a perfect example. A guy like Cole Wilcox wouldn't have probably gone 
to um, you know a low A level, he would have hung here at the complex level for a bit. So I would have gotten a chance to like chat it up with him, see him in the stands. He hangs out for a month. Maybe he throws a couple innings, and then he goes off for the last month of the season. That would have kind of been my process right now, and it's all gone. I'm sorry, man. It's, it's well, yeah, it, it's too bad. Um, who are your guys in the draft and your guys are in quotes. So like the guys that when, when you're drafting your first year player guys, who are the, you're always end up getting them somehow you're targeting these guys. Maybe you're picking at nine, maybe you're picking in at 19. Uh, maybe that's a second round pick for you. Maybe it's a late first rounder. Who, who do you keep going after um, that you think you're going to be able to get kind of no matter where you're picking because you see something that maybe we don't see? I know those yeah, are probably from, two different questions, but and you're talking from this draft, the draft that yes. just happened. So who I yes. will be uh, well, Ed Howard, 100 percent. Ed Howard will be uh, the guy that I target in every single one. I mean, let's be blatant here, like Torkelson, Martin, Gonzalez, all those yeah, guys. Yeah. Sure. But Ed Howard, who the Cubs took, I desperately wanted the Arizona Diamondbacks to take. I think it's a five tool, a uh, bigger bat. I think there's 20 is easy. 2020 potential. I think the power could supersede the speed at some point, but he's a guy that could go 30, 15. If everything keeps developing a strong kid, good shortstop. He's just a guy that you build around. And, um, that, that I thought was not necessarily even a steal. It was just an appropriate range. I absolutely Absolutely love Ed Howard at that spot. So in the first round, that would be a guy I target. Uh, Austin Hendrick is another one of those just with the Reds, uh, maybe after that. So if I'm in that like eight, nine spot, I'm looking at Ed Howard or uh, Austin Hendrick for sure. A little bit later in the draft, uh, I like, I, ironically, I loved Bryce Jarvis. This He was one of the reasons he went to the Arizona Diamondbacks. He was one of those guys where I was like, well, you know, if you're sitting there looking at Hancock or Lacey, that's cool. But I'd almost rather maybe pass on them to take an Ed Howard. And then I'll take one of these really good college pitchers in the next round. And Bryce Jarvis, uh, he's one of those guys. He's kind of one of uh, you could quote on mine. I'll give you just a couple others real quick. Mm-hmm. Isaiah Green, who went to the Mets. Absolutely love him. The Mets had a ridiculous, ridiculous start to their draft. And I really like Carson Tucker who uh, is out here in Arizona at um, uh, Mount Point, I think, high school. Uh, Cole Tucker, who plays for the Pittsburgh Pirates, his brother. And he got drafted by the Indians. And the Indians, you know, they have, uh, they've got a really good system in developing their prospects. They have a ton of middle infielders, but Tucker is a high, high bat tool guy who's developing into more power, but he's just a plus, maybe plus, plus hit, hit with defense. He can run, and the power's the last thing to develop. So Carson Tucker is a dude that I'm going to be banking on, like, in the second round. Were there any guys at the top of the draft that you're just kind of out on unless the value becomes too great that you just have to take them? Um, Guys that maybe you don't hate, but you don't see it from a fantasy perspective necessarily. Um, That's tough. Uh, So let's see. Guy, I mean, like as I'm going through here, I mean, if you're talking like first round or second that I'm in on. Okay. Okay. I'm probably not going to own shares of Asa Lacey. And I know that's blasphemous for some people because man, there was this like a little movement on Twitter a couple weeks before draft where it's like, if you said something negative about Asa Lacey, you would get just, you know, feet to the coal. It was just one of these things. It's like, you can't say he can't strike out this and that. Like I didn't love, love, love Asa Lacey. Like everybody else did. He had all the momentum in the world. He's got a multitude of really good pitches. 
I think there's more command issues than other people do, and I'm not sure that he's this 10K per nine insane strikeout guy like everybody else is, but I'm not I'm not going to like put a bet against it. Then he goes to the Royals. And I'm not saying the Royals are a bad organization. I love Bobby Witt. I love the pitching that they developed. I just don't know if you know they don't necessarily push guys um, really, really early on. I don't know how well we can judge that they've developed pitching prospects because we really haven't seen all of them. And also, I just point out, it's, it's kind of the Royal. It's not a team that, like, I'm like, all right, great. You know, this is a guy that's going to develop with the Boston Red Sox and going to move in. There's just some things that moved me a little bit away. So it's not so much about him. I'm just not going to own uh, a lot of Ace Lacey. It just, for me, it just doesn't make much sense. He costs such a huge high price. And I bet you he goes before Max Meyer, who's probably a better pitcher who went to the Marlins. So that that's probably a good one I can give you, uh, Ace Lacey. I'm probably out on on drafts. I'll take it. And of that group of pitchers, that's kind of all bunched together in the top 10. Who, who would have you wanted first? If you, I don't know if you were taking a pitcher at your spot. Um, it's tough. Uh, I I'm still an Emerson Hancock guy and there's, there's a really interesting read out there. And you know, I really wish I remembered the article so I could tell people, but it's an article breaking down, uh, what the Mariners may start to do with Emerson Hancock because, um, he he throws a little bit from the side. So, I mean, this is a guy that you want high RPM on your fastball to make sure that it's getting like late movement. And he's got that, but he, he comes from the side a little bit. So the ball sinks and it flattens out a little bit. And that could be some of the uh, reasons why he got hit. I mean, this is three plus plus pitch guy with plus command. You want to talk about a player that can control the zone. It's him. So if you've got this fastball that you are going to rely on that you command really well, but it's flattening out, it just gets hit more. So there's a conversation around what the Mariners may start to do to tinker and try to, um, you know, just maybe slight little wrist alterations to get that fastball going again. So I think Hancock is going to be someone that's going to end up being a deal that all want to own shares of. If I was at the very top, I think Max Meyer is the perfect um safety blanket to all of this. Callis told me best fastball and best slider in the draft. I already knew it was the best slider. I was a little surprised when he said best fastball. There's command. He's a bulldog. Who cares that he's six foot? He's a, he's a monster on the mound. So he's like the best safety net. So it would have been Max Meyer there. But I think Hancock is going to be kind of a uh, he, he didn't come at a deal in the draft, but from a fantasy perspective, he's going to go, I think, behind Meyer and Lacey. And I think he'll end up being a deal. One of my favorite guys in the draft, I think it was 2013. I've been doing fantasy drafts that long. Um, first year player drafts. And it was Austin Meadows was a guy I was just obsessed with. And yeah, man. I went went out and made sure I got him everywhere I could. And then this year, I'm seeing a guy that reminds me a lot of early young Austin Meadows. And he's a college guy, and it's Garrett Mitchell, someone who is hit over power right now, but you can project the power, who's got a great speed, probably more speed than Austin Meadows and defensively can play center field. Garrett, not a lot of love for Garrett Mitchell this year. And I'm worried it's just because of the diabetes thing. But in 2020, I don't, that doesn't bother me as much. I don't, I don't think it should bother people. And I, I want, want to know why it's bothering major league baseball teams. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me why Garrett Mitchell would, would fall so much when I think the tools are, are like an Austin Meadows who went in the top 10. 
Yeah, it's a good point. You know, it's interesting when you talk about like there's there's a fear factor that went into this draft where, you know, GMs were more, you know, and owners and and uh, managers and stuff are more worried than ever, you know, about the looks that they had got on players and wanting to go safe. And yet you saw multiple high school guys go before Garrett Mitchell. I mean, I had some stuff that I had put in my notes. Um I'm not, I wasn't necessarily in love with Garrett Mitchell. He is a big speed guy, but there is power there. His swing was a bit open to me, and I thought it lacked a little bit of drive. But you know what? That is something that you can fix. He's a toolsy dude. And the whole, like, you know, he had diabetes and it drops. I, I think it's super overplayed. It's almost like the stock market to me, where, you know, teams start to, you know, get a vibe of something like that. And then there's this fear index that starts to take over. Um, I agree. I had Garrett Mitchell just as far as my personal ranks higher than he went. He was my 10th overall prospect. And everything I just said to you, by the way, I had Mitchell one spot above Hassel. Mm. So I am surprised because he's one of those guys that if you develop power with that speed, well, he it's instantly five tool. Like he's already got the hit. He's already got the speed. If he uh, hit ish, I mean, contact is still a bit, I, I suppose a little bit of an issue. Um, but if you develop that and the power goes, this is, like you said, like Austin Meadows. It's like a 30-20 type of a player. And guess what? In a pretty good spot in Milwaukee. It's a pretty hitter-friendly space. Uh, developing, we'll see You know how they go with prospects. That's a little bit in question. They move away from them. But I think they can tinker with uh, the swing a little bit, which I'd like to see. And it was a deal. There's like no, It's a no-brainer that it was a deal in the draft. Yeah. If you're in win now mode in your fantasy league, who are the guys that are going to move fast? Is Garrett Mitchell, one of those guys that's going to move quickly. Some of the some of the college pitchers, obviously. But if you're if you're way, staying away from pitchers and you don't have Torkelson, who are the guys that are or who are going to be in the in the big leagues within you know a year and a half? Um, well, that's going to be t- it's probably going to be pitchers that are going to make that. <clears throat> I yeah. think I, I've been saying this a little bit over the last couple of days. I actually think there's a chance Torque is up mid next year. And I know there's people, lots of people don't agree with me. And, and you know what? That's a, it, it probably doesn't happen, but for them to label him a third baseman, I think there's a legit shot that he could be up. But if you're saying who are some guys that could be up within a year and a half, you got to look at the pitchers. I think Max Meyer, Asa Lacey, and I would say Reed Detmers. I actually think Emerson Hancock is not in that. I would not put him there. I think those guys are a possibility to be up sooner rather than later. If I throw a couple out for you, um, maybe an Austin Wells. I don't know if he comes up that quick out of Arizona. He's a catcher, can play just all over the field. He is a, he's a bat-first guy who probably isn't going to play catcher. The Yankees took him, and there's some flexibility now of where he could possibly play. But I'm not sure I look at I mean, I could you know go through and, and speculate on it's really going to be all college names. Like, could Aaron Sabato, who the Twins took, if, you know, if— Nelson Cruz retired. Do you like uh, him a lot? Is he one of your guys? Sabato, yeah, I, I do. I like Sabato more than most people because um, big power and bat speed. I mean, it's all bat. That's what I care about. He was yeah. first base only, but he went to a team with a DH spot. So why the hell not? So uh, I, I think it's pretty few and far between the players that are going to come up in the next year and a half that aren't pitchers. But it's, you know, Garrett Crochet, the pitchers I already named, Reed Detmers. Those are the ones that probably come up in the next year and a half. Uh, Torkelson, I imagine, is the first hitter. And then maybe a guy like a Austin Wells, maybe even a Justin Foscue, um, who the Rangers took. Those could be a few guys that could be up maybe the start of like 2022. Chris, we'll let you get out of here. Thank you so much for coming on and hope you enjoyed the draft and 
Who's the MLB team you care about? You're, are you from Arizona? Oh, Diamondbacks. Yeah, uh, okay. I'm actually I'm actually originally from California. I was okay. born in the Bay Area, and then I lived uh, in LA for a little stint. But I've lived in Arizona for 20 plus years. I'm oh, okay. a, I'm definitely a Diamondbacks fan for sure. Are you happy with their draft? I was okay. I, I they could have done better for, in my eyes. They went really heavy college pitching. Slade Ciccone. I love Bruce uh, uh, Bryce Jarvis. So they they did fine. Um, it's not particularly what I love, but I'm also as a prospect person. I get I get thrown to labels to other teams. People think I'm a Padres fan because of how much I'm at the Padres facility because they they just are so ripe with prospects. And I end up falling in love with so many of the guys. Mm-hmm. CJ Abrams, I absolutely love this kid. And uh, I got to spend a lot of time around him in the ACL and everything like that. That people think I'm a Padres fan or a Dodgers fan because I go uh, over to the facilities a lot. But I, I am a Diamondbacks fan, but I'm a true prospect fan. And there's every single team has probably got a couple prospects that I uh, really, really dig and try to follow. Makes sense. All right. We won't hold it against you that you're a Diamondback guy. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's like I said, Padres. I'm a, a pseudo pseudo Padres fan. Follow him at Is It The Welsh? You can imagine the question mark on Twitter. And be sure to check out InThisLeague.com and In This League Pod on Twitter as well. And the Prospect One podcast. So, Chris, thanks again. We'll try to check in with you possibly when we have some real baseball to talk about. Yeah, I don't know when that'll be. We'll talk to you in 2022, I guess, then, right? But yeah, thanks for having me, man. Don't say time. that. <laughs> I know. All right. We're- thank you to Chris Welsh. Love having him on the show. It's been almost a year since we had him on. Wade and I have been doing the Padres show since last, I have it, I have it somewhere. Wade, was it, was it June? Late June? Has it, has it been that long? I think... We did a show right after the draft last year. I think that was we the first podcast. We started quarantine last year, right? We what? We started quarantine last year, right? Were we were we in quarantine last year? Yeah, we've been in quarantine for a year, right? Uh, I can't prove you wrong. No, I can't. I can't do that. See, you, if you told me it was a year, I'd believe you. We haven't had baseball in a year. Feels like true. Who were, who was I with the other? Oh, I was with uh, our friend Matt, who actually you. Uh, we'll cut that. <laughs> I was with Matt um, this week or last weekend, and he said that there has already been more time between when the NBA stopped to now than there there was during a regular NBA offseason. We've had a full NBA offseason already. There's no way that's true. Really? I think that's true. We've been, what, quarantined for like three months now? The NBA season's only three months? The offseason is three months. Oh, offseason. Gotcha. Yeah. The time between, yeah, the full off season has already passed. Is that right? That still might not be right. Now that I'm thinking about it, season ends in July, August, September. No, that could be right. Cut that whole part. That could be right though. Season ends in July, doesn't it? Doesn't the finals end in July? And then the season starts up again, end of October. I mean, they drag the playoffs out so long. It's like I fucking, three, I fucking hate it. The first round of the playoffs games. The first round is garbage. I, ha- I hate it so much. And like they don't need three days rest in between games. That too. Yeah. yeah. By the time you get to the, <clears throat> the finals, they're having teams. It's just the TV schedule screwing everything up. I don't think they, yeah. the players want that, but they got I, I would fix that. I'm sick of it, too. I don't I don't need it dragged on that long. Agreed. Glad we brought that up. Um, so everyone, thank you for listening. Please follow the show's Twitter account. Wade, by the way, that's all getting left in because I don't want to cut anything at fire Farmhands on Twitter. If you enjoy the show, subscribe, we're on all your favorite platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Google play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. 
Where is this? I'm on page 25 <laughs> right now. Your notes are such a mess right now. I know they are. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I've got like three shows worth of notes in one yeah. show notes. <laughs> I'm so lost. And only I know where shit is. <laughs> it's uh, it's after the image. Okay, I found it. Yeah, okay. You can also find us... <laughs> You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. Please leave your comments, questions, concerns, and your rating of the show on all platforms. You know you probably could have that memorized by now, too. It's really short. I haven't been on in like four weeks. You say, It's the same thing. It's it's one sentence or two sentences. Ryan, four weeks. I don't that's, remember it. That's not true. You were on the week before last. I don't know. Check the tape. You were. It was Heath Bell and the one before that was you. Boom. You've been listening to Believe in Padres Prospects podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, San Diego's number one sports podcast network. For Chris Welsh and Wade, I'm Ryan Hart. We'll talk to you all next week. Goodbye, Canada. Toward your destination. Though you may find from time to time. Have you brought any fruits or vegetables onto the planet? Two weeks. Excuse me? Uh, two weeks. Two weeks. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.